John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And, of course, we are taking your phone calls. We want to get your reaction as we get into Week 5 in the National Football League. Interesting game last night with Tampa Bay losing to Chicago and Tom Brady forgetting if it was third down or fourth down on what was turning out to be his last play of the game. So uh, get your reaction to Tom Brady, your reaction to where the Seahawks are, the injury situation, what the team needs to do. Give us a call at 866-979-3776-206-421-3776. Let's start with Corey in Puyallup. Hey, Corey. How you doing, JC? Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, I just want to say I'm not too worried about the Seahawks, really, to be honest. And um, I think if Brady would have been playing somewhere besides New England, um, we might not be saying Tom Brady, Tom Brady. doesn't look very good at all. I don't know if it's just that system or Brady is a system quarterback, possibly. I mean, he's not throwing check downs, which he did about 85% of the time in New England. Mm-hmm. And he's actually throwing some hard passes, and um, teams are actually intercepting him. It's kind of weird. Well, I think I what know. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't want to think it comes. Yeah, he, I, what I think it comes down to, Corey, is that uh, you know they haven't really come at peace as far as what he should do because I mean you know that Bruce Arians is a down the field guy. It's like no risk it, no biscuit, right? And that's not Tom. And so he's forcing Tom to throw some deeper throws, which he still has the arm to be able to do it. So but, I got a question then: Is Tom Brady a system quarterback? Uh. No, he's just he's the best quarterback in the history of football. But yeah, I mean, I I disagree with you on that one. Who who would be better? Russell Wilson. You could put Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers on any team, and they'd be fine. You can't do that with Brady. Tom Brady's Brady one has well been to Seattle. nine Super Bowls and uh, won that's six. A, that's the product of Bill Belichick. Also won twelve games in New England. I mean, I think anyone could be a quarterback in New England, to be honest. Well, you know, in one of the stats last night they brought up in the broadcast. I almost have to double check it. it, it you know, when Co- Cody Doink Doink, uh, Cody Parkey ends up getting that field goal that gave them the lead before yeah. uh, Ryan Suckup got the chance to get the field goal to give him a lead that was that was going to be his 60th 60th comeback victory and again you know russell since coming into the league you know he had he has the personally think that you don't you couldn't put tom brady on any team and i think you could put aaron Rodgers, uh russ on any team and they'd be fine josh allen i think they could go into any system and be fine but i don't think you could do that with brady i think brady would struggle in seattle big time with the line issues and yeah Green Bay could even struggle. That could be the case, but also it's like it's funny because I mean you and again this this is changing now because you know there's the quarterbacks are more mobile. I mean Tom came in at a time that you didn't have to have mobility to be able to play. But I mean you look at system quarterbacks and of course one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history was a system quarterback. I mean it was Joe Montana because he was in that 49er system and he was a perfect quarterback for the West Coast. So you know being a system quarterback is not necessarily a bad thing. Being a great quarterback. Is is what you need to do. But I think you can do, I, I, I see your point to a certain degree because what you're looking at is that, you know, does he fit the Bruce Arian scheme? And of course, you know, he is three and two. I mean, he is you know, on a 4,000, 4,500 yard pace for yards that dropped down yesterday. And remember, he also hasn't had his full complement of receivers. You know, he's either had Mike Evans out one week, Chris Godwin out a couple weeks. You know, they lost OJ Howard, but uh, you know, they're still three and two and right now lead the division. I think the AFC East is probably one of the weakest divisions the last 10 years in football. No, NFC East is. 
NFC and AFC East. I yeah, agree. oh no, I, not that I agree because they were the worst two last year. But the NFC East right now is two eleven and one in non division games. Yes, I agree. I was saying the last ten years the AFC no. East has been a cakewalk. Oh, absolutely. Well, again, that goes back, I guess you could say, to the system because one of the things that worked so well for Bill Walsh and Joe Montana is that time the NFC West was the easiest division, much like the AFC East. So you know they had five teams in it, so you know you're going to come out of it with like a seven and one record, uh, where you, normally it was going to be the Patriots coming out with a five and one record in division play. Hey, Corey, thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN, getting your reactions, taking your thoughts. And as we head into week five, and, you know, I'm, I'm still looking at the schedule. And, you know, where things look so good for Seattle, of course, you know, they if they beat the, uh, and again, I'm not giving the win yet, but again, the five teams that they they started out. So what, what do we have? Uh, we got Patrick and Black Diamond, John. Okay, let's go to Patrick and Black, Black Diamond. Hey, how you doing, John? Good, Patrick. Hey, I got a question with uh, Adams um, being hurt in the last couple of weeks. Diggs was out, not the last, like he came before last. What's the chance of them bringing Earl back? None. Uh, or None. What's- None. I think that bridge has sailed. I think that. Uh, well, first off, uh, if you if you bring Earl back, do you think now you you follow Earl's career pretty closely, right? I do. Yes. Do you think that Earl would accept being a backup? Because again, yeah, it's like because again, the, the the free safety when he was the free safety is Quandre Diggs, and he's been a Pro Bowl alternate the last two years. And if you watched him in the first four games, he's fine. Jamal Adams has you know a budding possible Hall of Fame type player with three times he's gone to the Pro Bowl and how good he is. Where's Earl going to fit in other than being a backup coming off the bench to fill in if, if, uh, for injuries? Well, I believe Kareem uh, arrives to the top though, John. And you know. It's- uh, an athlete is trained to, you know, next man up, and you have to when you get your chance, you have to actually show. So, can you imagine you know, Earl Earl Thomas as tough as he can be, uh, a proud guy, a potential Hall of Fame safety, accepting a backup role anywhere? No, he's going to go someplace where he has a chance to eventually start, and that's not going to be here. And again, I think the relationship is so bad, you know, between the way it exited between him and the uh, Seahawks. I just can't see that happening. But good thought. Well, hey, thank you. you. Think who do you think he'll be going with? Last question. Uh, I think you know it, it depends on injuries and such like that. You know, uh, I was a little surprised that uh, you know the Chargers didn't go for him once they lost Derwin James. Uh, you know, Dallas has some had some interest, but they pulled away. Houston had him in for a visit and then sent him home. And it, as it, you know, you, you ready for this one? You know why they yeah, sent him home? Why is that? The players on the Texans voted him. Don't bring this guy in. That's what they did. They took a vote, and some of the leaders in the team says, we don't want him, and so they sent him home. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Thank you. Thank you very much. Do we have time, 866-979-ESPN? We do. Let's go out to Louie in Seattle. Hey, Louie. Hey, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. You know, you just said that um, that bridge has sailed for Earl Thomas. Yes. Yeah, and again, it's like you got to go into reality here. It's kind of like the Antonio Brown thing. You know, that was never really going to work out. I know that you know you can push for it, push for it. You want the most talent you possibly can, but it's like he's on an eight-game suspension. It could get longer. And it's like in the case of Earl, the bridge is sailed. It's not. Uh, it's not going to happen. I have a stat that you might find interesting. I was listening to another podcast, and yeah, they yeah. Good. What, what stat is that? 
Well, I, we got, I can barely hear you. What was the stat? Those six teams account for 90% of the scoring increase this year. Now, which six teams? All, I, I, would, I would venture to say they, were, um, uh, they would be NFC teams, right? Steelers. Yeah, five. So we're, we're, now repeat the stat again. You're kind of going in and out. Oh, sorry, Professor. Packers, Seahawks, Bears, uh-huh. Steelers, Dolphins. Okay, because right now, I mean, I know in Pittsburgh they're taking criticism because they're only scoring 23 points in a game, uh, you know, and they haven't had a real tough beginning schedule yet. But, uh, yeah, but overall, I mean, hey, Pittsburgh's going to be fine. I think that they're in the top three right now, and, of course, Miami, they're in the bottom group in the AFC. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Thank you for all the phone calls. And, of course, uh, you know, you can listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the uh, chance to get the report card. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And of course, look at the bad, the good, the bad, the ugly on the report card. Uh, what's, uh, we take the pictures, we take all the different uh, comments, we take the good, the bad, the ugly, all those different things, and of course, we take the anecdotes, we take the uh, different stories, we take uh, all the different uh, type of things along with the voices, we take the social media comments, and we attach a grade to it. And so, Curtis Rogers, what do we have on the report card? Well, John, we got a lot on today's report card. Let's start with last night, Thursday Night Football, the Buccaneers and Bears, and Tom Brady, 43 years old. He's been playing in the NFL for, what, 21 seasons now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He lost track of how many downs there were on the team's final drive. Let's take a listen to the play-by-play. Brady, one more shot, fourth down, pass up the field. It is incomplete. Chicago will take over on downs, and the Bears will beat the Bucks on this Thursday night, 20-19 to with 33 seconds left. And Tom Brady will say, hey, Mr. Ref, is, is, was that third down? It was fourth down and five, and the pass is incomplete. And Tom Brady thinking he has one more down, but this game is over. The Bears will upset the Bucks 20-19 to on a Thursday night in Chicago. John, I mean, yeah, Tom Brady probably gets a pass because of all that he's accomplished in the NFL, but how you got to know the situation. you got to yeah. know the down and distance every time you are out there on the field. How are we grading Tom Brady not knowing what the well, down Well, I'm going to give him an F uh, for three different reasons. Okay, the first reason, of course, you got to know the down and distance, and you know he wanted to chunk the ball downfield, which, of course, isn't necessarily his best game. I mean, just get the first down and try to not lose that, and, of course, uh, so that was bad. Secondly, I mean, he got so frustrated in the third quarter he was like shouting at everybody uh you know it on the sidelines and so that kind of lost his cool there and then after the game i think he did question not going for that fourth and one you know instead just uh you know moving you know trying to do that so it's like you look at it, it's like this was not a good day for tom and then the other thing is that and this is not his fault i mean that blocking in the fourth quarter was just brutal Oof, yeah. i mean you know i i could see you know if you could lose track of the down just by the fact that it's like he took so many hits i mean donovan smith remember he was thinking about opting out he was the left tackle i would have to think that uh you know tom would have hoped that he would opt out for this particular game against the bears because he was so bad yeah, I got to give Tom Brady an F on that one. You absolutely cannot lose track of what the down and distance is, and uh, may have cost Tampa Bay 
in a big way. Obviously, they lost the game because of that turnover on downs. Could have kept the drive going. Uh, maybe had a chance to pick up the victory, go to 4-1. and one. Instead, they're 3-2. and two. Also on the report card, John, Brian Schottenheimer yesterday spoke about the time on Sunday when the headsets went out, and it was all up to Russell Wilson to make the play calls out on the field. It ended up leading them to a touchdown drive. Shotty was asked what he did while the headsets were out. He had a, a pretty funny answer. Of course, you initially yell at the guys that run the communication system. You yell at them, say, what's going on? Then you ask the guys down downstairs if you're if if there's any communication and then you start thinking about food and so literally i eat these honeybee snacks these energy snacks all game and so uh, i had heard the key lime pie was out true story uh, i heard the key lime pie was out and so i just yeah was it good yeah see i think bc up in the box ate the last one um and so i was eating my honeybees waiting for it to come back on and uh, i'm like everybody at that point i'm, I'm cheering on the guys and uh doesn't surprise me at all you know, we got great players. Russ is in command of things, and it uh, it was cool to see those guys do that. So at that point yeah. in the game, Shuddy had nothing to do, so he's scouting out the key lime pie situation. How are we grading uh, Shuddy's, uh, I guess, taste buds in that yeah, situation? Yeah, it's like I'm not a key lime pie guy, so I can't give him the A, but for the funny way that he answered it and his reaction, and of course there's nothing I can do, uh, I, I'll give him a B plus. But, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the key lime pie, I mean, go for apple pie, go for another pie. I'm not a big dessert person as it is, but I'm not a big key lime pie guy. But, of course, you know, as many places as Brian has traveled and I'm sure that, uh, you know, anybody who's been to Florida and at different times, you like the key lime pie there. But I'm just not a key lime pie guy. So instead of an A minus, I'm going to give him a B plus. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him an A for that. I mean, when when there's nothing you can do, a lot of people just head to the fridge or do something yeah. like that. And that was Shotty's first uh, first bit of action right there. His headset's out. He can't do anything. I'll just go uh, see what the food situation's like. But yeah, you mentioned key lime pie. I, I like key lime pie. I don't love it. It's not the first pie I go to, but uh, you know, it, it's Miami. I'm sure that's a pretty popular pie down down in South Beach. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Shotty. Just kind of kicking back uh, during a Sunday. He doesn't get to do that often, and luckily, it turned out great for everybody. The Seahawks put seven on the board. By the way, don't you get the feeling that uh, this will be Brian's last year with this team? Boy, he is putting himself in position to get a head yep. coaching that's, job. That's what I'm saying because, yeah. I mean, he's done so well. In fact, it was funny. Uh, I was on with Sean Salisbury today as I am Friday, and, of course, he joins me every Tuesday. And he was asking me, you know, who could be the new coach of the team. And, uh, you know, naturally, Joshy Boy McDaniels is going to get in the mix. Uh, I thought Eric Bieniemy. we both kind of agreed he'd be a good one. But I know that uh, Brian has a little bit of history down with the Texans. Could be a possibility. Well, keep your ears and eyes peeled for that one. Also, John, Chris Carson spoke to the media yesterday. Uh, he was asked about the time two weeks ago against Dallas. His leg was wrapped up by Tristan Hill, who got just a, a very small fine for the ugly, ugly play it was on Carson, who had to leave the game after that. Uh, here is what Carson had to say about that tackle. Um, I'm at the... Kind of like what everybody thought of it. I thought it was kind of a uh, bull play, but 
It is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we all are in agreement with Chris Carson on what that kind of play was. How are we grading Carson's assessment of what went down in that <laughs> yeah, game? By the way, it just brings up a memory from yesterday. It's like hey, we had Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from the Carolina Panthers, on uh, moving the chains on Sirius, and he, he dropped a, a swear word. And, of course, I don't know if we were to bleep it out or not. It wasn't as bad as you would think. But, uh, no, I think you know the fact that he, he should be mad, and he should be able to you know call it what he called it. And so I'm going to give him a, a B because, again, this was a horrible play. It's one that uh, I think that the fact that he only got a $6,500 fine was terrible. I mean, it's like, you know, here it was, okay, he gets the same fine for that little bit of a helmet hit on Russell Wilson, which, of course, that deserved a fine, but this, this deserves so much more because you could have ruined his knee for the entire season. Yeah. I'm going to give it a B. I'll give, yeah, I will give DeMar DeRozan, or not DeMar, what am I saying? That's our next one. I'll yeah. give uh, Chris Carson a B-plus for his assessment here on uh, what Tristan Hill had to, or what he did to him, because, yeah, it, it I, I can't say it on the air what yeah. he said, yeah. but yeah. I agree with him fully. Finally, John, I mentioned DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he is our last item on the report card. He was on a podcast with NBA player J.J. Redick, and they were talking about LeBron James, how both of them have played against LeBron for so many years. DeMar DeRozan, when, was he, when he was with Toronto, met up against LeBron's uh, Cavaliers team so often in the playoffs, LeBron getting the upper hand on them every single time. DeMar DeRozan then shared a story of just a crazy, crazy time where the Raptors broke huddle and one of their players forgot the play that was being told to them by the head coach, and LeBron, who wasn't in the huddle, knew what they were doing. Here's what DeRozan had to say. I don't, I don't know if I even told nobody other than my close circle. I remember it was um, it was a play we were trying to run, and one of our teammates forgot the play, and Bron told him the play. It was some crazy stuff. We called it a play, and he was like, what? And Bron told him what our play was. You know, and it just shows you, like, how locked in this dude be when it comes to that come the winning time. I mean, there's so hmm. many crazy stories about how great LeBron is, how competitive he is, but he also has an unbelievable recall, and, and that's just another one of those stories, John. How are we grading LeBron James just being able to know what a team is going to play? Yeah, i got to give it an A. That's sensational. That's just really, really good, you know, being able to recognize it and then be able to say what the play is and all that stuff. I mean, you know, you can see that from some of the uh, real good football players. I'm sure Bobby Wagner can do it. I mean, Luke Keegley, I know, would be able to do it and so lebron being able to do that that's just sensational good stuff yeah that is it for today's report card okay and of course be sure to check out the professor's notes at 710sports.com the professor's notes are brought to you by infinity of tacoma at fife coming up next we're going to go into busy hard seltzer text line take your text questions text is a 710 710 john clayton show 710 espn seattle Everything Seahawks, every afternoon, with the Hawks Players Spotlight on Bob Dave and more. Running back Carlos Hyde, the one, the only Tyler Lockett, presented by Bud Light Platinum Seltzer. I'm thinking you should go to John Schneider and say, hey, Johnny boy, think about a raise right about now. <laughs> <laughs> that, how's it going? The Players Spotlight, every week throughout the season with Bob Dave and more. I got a dog name after me, Big Lou. You named the dog after yourself. Only yeah, <laughs> on 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton here with big news for car shoppers. Right now is the perfect time to capitalize on year-end offers as dealerships move out of the last of their 2020 models. They need room on their lot for 2021 vehicles, and you can score big savings. 
Take, for instance, the 2020 Infiniti QX50 Essential All-Wheel Drive for only $3,000 total down and $399 per month plus taxes for 39 months. Infiniti's midside crossover, and you will not find a better price. Only at Infiniti of Tacoma at Fife, drive away in luxury. Go to Infiniti of Tacoma at Fife and test drive one of their brand new vehicles. Or shop online, and they'll deliver to you. They've been delivering vehicles all over the state. 10,000 miles per year, 39-month lease with approval of credit. The VIN number is LF114917. No security deposit required. Offers ends November 2nd. Infinity of Tacoma at Fife delivers the luxury you deserve. That's why I'm proud to say they're the only dealership endorsed by the professor. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go on a busy heart sells or text line. And, of course, uh, we are taking your text questions at 710-710. So, Curtis, what do we have? John from the 907. They say, I enjoyed watching a defensive game last night. Do you think defenses will start to turn it up? coming this Sunday. I think it's going to be tough because, again, it's like, uh, you know, it it was one where, I mean, you can see that, uh, you know, injuries played a role, particularly for what you can say as far as the uh, Bucks, because, again, they didn't have Chris Godwin and they didn't have O.J. Howard, and so that kind of slowed them down a little bit and turned, you know, more field goal drives and touchdown drives. And, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, limitate, limiting uh, – the Bears can't run the football. I mean, that's simple as that. I don't care. I mean, it's no knock on David Montgomery, but, uh, you know, they uh, they just can't run the football. I mean, what, they have like seven negative runs? And, you know, it's a real good run defense, certainly, by both teams. And so – it, it just turned out to be that way. But I, I just think that's not the norm. It's just the way the game turned out to be. And then you look at the Bears. I mean, other than Allen Robinson, uh, what do they have at wide receiver? Not much. And so, uh, you know, you saw a streaky game by Nick Falk, who was, I mean, he had guys wide open deep downfield, and he missed them by 15 yards a couple times. And then he got hot, like he tends to do because he's so streaky, and he has, ends up winning the game. But, no, this is not – that's that's not what's coming up. This is still going to be an offensive – and particularly when you see the injuries at the cornerback position and how, how many teams are exposed to young cornerbacks. This one from the 206. They want to know, John, how do you think the Seahawks are going to handle COVID during the bye week when everyone goes their separate ways? Well, I mean, uh, it, one of the things that I know the players aren't going to be happy about is they can't leave town. I mean, they have to show up every day and get tested. And uh, you can't get a positive test. And so if you do, then you get quarantined. And so, uh, you know, you just basically have to stay at home and kind of do something. And that's why you've seen so many players that are complaining because, you know, they wanted to get back and visit their families. Because, again, some of the families haven't totally moved if they came from another team. And so that's that's going to be a little bit of a problem. But, again, it's like, uh, you know, the best thing to do. And, of course, I'm sure that the leaders like Dwayne Brown and Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright are going to stress to the players, don't go out and do anything. Uh, Because, again, we'll see. Again, this is the first week we've had bye weeks. Green Bay and Detroit getting their bye weeks. And Seattle gets theirs coming up this week. And so, uh, you know, you just have to basically stay in town and do nothing. This one from the 425. Donovan and Linwood wants to know, who do you think will have more rushing yards Sunday night, Dalvin Cook or Chris Carson? Uh, I get the feeling 
uh, it, it might be, it'll probably be Cook because, again, you know, there. it's funny because as much criticism as this team gets for trying to run the ball, there's more of an emphasis, as we heard from Cronin, that it's like uh, they want to try to limit the number of passes for Kirk Cousins and run the football more. So they're going to try, but then also, I mean, this team has been very good stopping the run, and there's still the outside chance, and they may be able to get Damon Snacks Harrison on the field to help out with the run stopping. So, you know, uh, you know I think that, uh, you know, they're going to, because clearly you got to look at the strategy. I mean, again, they'll try to certainly get a, as balanced of a running game as they can, but it's like if you're Seattle and why would you only have one pass rusher in unique and Dockway? you have, uh, you know, three young cornerbacks are going to be out there. You want to be throwing the football. This one comes to us from the two, five, three. They want to know, do quarantining players not playing still get a game check? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you may get a, depending on the, the test and all that. No, you get a game check because, again, it's like if you're not missing the game, you're getting a game check. And, of course, I mean, once you get past Tuesday, you get your check. So, no, that doesn't change. This one comes to us from the 425. They want to know which defense do you think allows more points on Sunday, the Cowboys in New York or the Colts at Cleveland? Uh... Well, I mean, Colts right now are not hardly giving up anything, so I'd have to go to the other games. I'd go with Dallas. I mean, Dallas can't stop anybody. So I think, you know, it, but the problem is they're facing, what, the Giants, and the Giants can't score any points. So, yeah, that may be a wash, but uh, I'd still lean because, uh, you know, the Browns are going to try to run the ball, and right now, you know, they got the Forrest Buckner out there. Uh, so I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe I'd, I'd go with Dallas. Yeah, looking at Cleveland's offense the last three weeks, 35, 34, 49 points. Yeah, They're yeah. putting up points uh, in bunches here in the last couple of weeks. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, what chances do you give Miami of beating San Francisco? Not much. I think that uh, you know they're getting Jimmy Garoppolo back, and they may have Raheem Mostert uh, back uh, in the backfield. So they're starting to get a few guys healthy, and uh, I just think this is going to be tough because again, it's like the Dolphins aren't a very good team, and you know that's the thing that's so unusual about the start of the schedule because you know the Seahawks, you know, get even though they're they're five and fifteen, the five teams that they're playing so far to open up the schedule. This is really except for the division games and the Buffalo game. This is the second toughest part of their schedule. Uh, where the uh, 49ers had the easy schedule and they only went 2-2. Two and two. So I, I'd say uh, Miami, they lose. This one is coming from the, let's see here, from the 425. They want to know who is more likely to make an impact by the end of the season, Philip Dorsett or Josh Gordon? Uh, well, right now, uh, Philip Dorsett, because we have, we don't know anything new about Josh Gordon, so he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. They and I I, I, I criticized the league for not clearing things up with Josh Gordon, but until he can get off his suspension, he can't do anything. And you figure, you know, the Dorsett. He might be active this week for the first time and get a chance, or at least with that foot injury, get a chance to go out and do some things. 360 wants to know any new developments with Daryl Taylor. Nothing, nothing. Again, the only thing that Pete said in the last week is he's getting a little bit better, uh, but still, Pete doesn't have a timetable, which means he's probably not going to be available after the six games that he has to miss for being on the PU or on the NFI. From the, let's see here, from the 253, if they play, 253 wants to know what chances do you give the Jets of beating Arizona? Uh... 
Well, they'll play, and so I don't think they have much of a chance. I mean, you know, they're still thin at wide receiver. They're messed up at cornerback. You know, they, they you know, they're going now with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Uh, they probably won't have their left tackle, Mika Becton. I, I just think the Jets are they're just a mess, and so I'd lean toward the Cardinals. Yeah, no Sam Darnold. No. It's not looking good there. Although Steve Kime today, I think he said something about the Cardinals players, the Cardinals star players, that they haven't played like stars yet this season. Mm-hmm. Which They haven't. You know, it doesn't sound like everything's great down in the desert right now, Steve Kime's saying that. No, and of course, I mean, the, the, all the writers and beat people and columnists and that, they're criticizing the coaching in the last couple of weeks and the play calling of their head coach. 509 wants to know, John... What kind of move do you think John Schneider is looking to make before the trade deadline? Could it be defensive end? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll look for defensive end help. Again, it's like you saw that this week they addressed two things on the defensive line. You know, they were able to get Damon Snacks Harrison, got him to the practice squad, and Jonathan Bullard, he comes in as maybe a five technique, and he's on the active roster, or he's on the roster. I don't know if he's going to be active, but Clint Hurt knows him from Chicago. He's a former third-round pick, and, you know, he can maybe help out a little bit. So, he's you know, John's always going to be looking. 206 wants to know how soon can we expect to see Rashad Penny? Mm, I think that he'll be available uh, right after the six games. And so that would be what he'll come back for maybe week eight and see uh, where he stands. But I think that everything I understand is that uh, he's he's on schedule and doing well. And then the 206 wants to know, John, when do you think Christian McCaffrey will be back on the field? Uh, it was supposed to be four to six weeks. So uh, he's probably got maybe another two, three weeks to wait. So he's not anywhere close yet. Uh, this one from the, let's see here, from the 253. They want to know, John, who do you think wins, L.A. or Washington on Sunday? Mm, it'll be L.A. because Washington, right now, they've, they've gone to Kyle Allen. And uh, I go with L.A. on this one because right now, L.A.'s done great. I mean, they've done a very good job. Uh, they've exceeded expectations on defense. I mean, you know, uh, Sean McVay is in a, in a zone right now in his ability to call. And, of course, he's gone against the Washington football team. So I'm going to go with L.A. How many games in a row did Kyle Allen lose last year with Carolina? It was like eight or nine, yeah, something yeah. like that. Not, it wasn't good. Not the greatest backup uh, option there in Washington. Uh, and this one, John, let's wrap it up with this one from the 253. They want to know what is your score prediction for Seattle against Minnesota? Mm, I think that uh, this will be like a 30 24 game somewhere in that neighborhood with Seattle winning. Going to be, it's going to be points. I don't know if it's going to be the over like it usually has been. and tend to think it's going to be the over, but I'd say 30-24. All right, that is it for text questions. Okay, it's time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. That's coming up next. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. It's time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so... Uh, I don't know. I know it was going to be a challenge last night to keep the TVs going and what to watch. <clears throat> did you watch the uh, Tampa Bay-Chicago game, or did you watch baseball? John, I, as I said on Twitter, I would always choose playoff baseball against the regular season football game, and I know that I stand with the minority on that. I watched a little bit of the, the football game, a little bit of the comeback, but you had two two baseball playoff games going. I'm just old school on that. I'll, I'll always take the playoffs over regular season, no matter what the sport. Mm-hmm. So, what did you like about it? I guess the I guess the sad news, to a degree, is that the dreaded Astros, those cheaters, ended up you know winning that series. But also uh, the possibility, which could be a lot of fun, is that the Yankees have a chance to maybe go against them if they can win one more game. Well, I feel good for Dusty Baker. 
number one for the Astros. Yeah. And it's interesting that they were able to do it after a 500 regular season, just kind of turn on in the postseason and get a couple of their key guys, too. I mean, you know, it's Springer and Correa. These these guys are, are playing big time. And, and so that was impressive. And, and the Yankees were, too. I mean, that's a great game today between the Yankees and Tampa. There's a team with a lot of animosity. Um, the Yankees took the lead. Their bullpen pulled them through. You know, uh, Tampa has been very strong, but uh, has not faced this kind of pressure. Uh, I would imagine um, just the, the sense of it with the Yankees and, and what's on the line. You, you're certainly right that it would be fun to see, you know, let's, let's take it a step further to see the Yankees play the Astros. And if the Astros win again, the Astros play the Dodgers in the World Series for mm-hmm. time out. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, I, I, like I said, I watched, the, I watched the end of the game. I was a little surprised that Tom Brady didn't shake Nick Foles' hand. But, um, you know, whatever. I mean, he's lost to him twice now in, in games like that. And, and, uh, the Bears to me are one of the surprise teams at four and one changing their quarterback and, and yet, uh, you know, still playing well. So there was a little bit of a surprise there, I thought. Yeah, no doubt. And how about, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you got, uh, you know, Bill Belichick at two and two right now, which is pretty respectable considering the changes on that team and what he had to go through. And here's Tom Brady at three and two. And I don't know, people, people are going to be rooting against both. But, uh, you know, Brady's had to take some criticism yesterday because, one, he couldn't figure out the last play, whether it was third down or fourth down, based on his hand signals. Second, the, uh, you know, he started yelling and shouting on his uh teammates in the third quarter when he was not happy with some things and then fourth as you bring up I mean didn't shake hands with Nick Foles well I think from the football standpoint uh both Brady and Belichick and this is not notwithstanding the COVID issues as well they'll be better as the year goes on with their respective situations they'll, they'll be more used to Brady will be more used to his teammates more used to his coaching staff I would imagine I mean that's going to be the case and they're not going to have issues like and signals not being read and, and things like that. And I think, you know, Belichick, will, he's already looks pretty comfortable with Cam Newton, but will be more comfortable with him. We'll figure out a way to take care of the fact that they've had, um, you know, so many guys go down and so many guys just not playing for a variety of reasons. So I think they'll both be better in the second half. It's not terrible starts for them, but it's something definitely worth watching. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, of course, I mean, Brady did not have his full complement of players, which is kind of like he did, was last year. I mean, he, he didn't right. have Chris Godwin. He didn't have O.J. Howard. Uh, the running backs were all banged up. And the offensive line looked brutal in the fourth quarter. He took yeah, a, he took some he took a beating. That's, that's maybe the issue for um, for the for him and the rest of the year is if he gets hit like that. And he wasn't hit like that the week before, but if he gets hit like that uh, week by week by week, you know, he's 40-plus, that, that's – that's going to be a little bit different, but I would expect that too is one of the things that will improve as, as everyone gets used to playing together, uh, which they're doing in Tampa and, you know, maintaining a, a decent first half record to have a big second half push is what I can imagine the Buccaneers doing. Yeah, no doubt. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun to kind of watch because again, it's like, say what you want. And again, you're right about the, uh, the Bears. We know they have a good defense and they're shaky on offense. They can't run the football, but I never thought they'd be four and one. No, after changing, after, you know, the Trubisky thing, which seems strange after signing Foles and then backing off him and going away from him and then Foles looking looking solid last night. Yeah, the Bears are, are definitely a surprise team in an NFC that, that um, even though, you know, I think I feel like, you know, the Seahawks and the Packers are the two teams on top right now. Mm-hmm. I think they both have vulnerabilities, and I think everyone can kind of see that. 
Yeah. So now uh, your thoughts on this game coming up between Seattle and Minnesota. Again, again, just like last week, could be a trap game, but one that uh, you are at home. You don't have any crowds that are going to be cheering for you, but uh, you still have the better of the two teams. Yeah, that's the biggest difference is not having the crowd, of course, and we'll, we'll never stop bringing that point up from a Seahawks perspective, especially for a primetime game, you know, where, where you, you you have everyone especially amped up. Um, Minnesota has struggled, uh, and defensively they're terrible, but they present, you know, some, some specific problems that the Seahawks have issues with, and that's their, their tremendous wide receiver core, of course, um, and Kirk Cousins likes to throw long, and the Seahawks have shown a little bit of susceptibility to that, so... I mean, they're gonna. They they should be able to score. Dalvin Cooks, I think, leading the league in rushing, isn't he, John? Yes, he is. A little over yeah, 400 yards. And even though the the Seahawks have been very good against the run, he's going to be a factor for them. But you know, the reverse is uh, the Mike Zimmer's defense is not like Mike Zimmer's defense usually is. He's got good safeties, but terrible corners. And the Seahawks have been throwing to their wide receivers with impunity this year. So I would expect a big game for for Lockett, uh, for for Moore, for for Metcalf, for those there and I expect to see us to score a lot of points and I think Minnesota will score a lot of points too so I think this will be an entertaining one but uh, I see the Seahawks winning and I would I think I saw our pal Bob Condota right it'd be the first time not only 5-0 and but the first time they've scored 30 straight points in five straight games yeah well it's and it's interesting because I just wrote this for 710sports.com you know just kind of breaking down because Dick Vermeil taught me that schedule means everything and it's like hey you can go 500 if you can go 500 against uh winning teams and not and go to the Super Bowl and so uh you know but you don't want to play too many of them like you want to play six you want to go three and three against uh winning teams and then you can go 10 and 0 against the losing teams but if they can win this one there is a the great chance that uh, they can go nine and one and not non-division games the one loss possibly being the buffalo game which will be three weeks after the bye week but you know and then we'll we'll put the division games aside to see how they do in the division games but i mean you look at it they're five and oh that's half of their non-division games and right. you know the remaining teams that are you know on these on the schedule are two uh, 13 and one as far as you know not putting the Buffalo game aside, 213 and one so you have a great chance of getting nine wins in non-division games and that's uh, what does that mean? Fourteen and two could be, yeah. I mean, if they well, thirteen and two if they go four and two in the division, and if they win five in the division, that could be fourteen and two. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, well, I mean, there are a lot of things that have to happen before that happens. But uh, when you're undefeated early, there's no reason not to be hopeful, John. Yeah, because I was even looking at the closing schedule uh, after the Minnesota game. You know, based on the current records and that, they have it's a 4:48 schedule, which is uh, seventh easiest in the league. Where you look at the 49ers and they played most of their easy games or a lot of their early games easy so far, and uh, you know their closing schedule is what 6:46, the second toughest in the league. And so, you know, because, you know, they have these things called non-common games in the non-division schedule, which is, you know, first place against first place in the conference, right. first place against second place. And so, like, San Francisco, they still have to face Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, where if Seattle wins this game, then uh, against Minnesota, they'll be 2-0, and and they've already beaten Matt Ryan, and they been, have been beaten Kurt Cousins. So there's a two-game advantage that Seattle has there. It'll be interesting, John. A lot of football, it, it gets settled on the field, and there are big upsets that happen all the time. So, you know, uh, I, I kind of disagree with record being everything in the league. I see lousy teams beat good teams all the yeah. time. And, um, you know, we'll see. you got to take, as, 
as any coach would tell you, it's one at a time. It's the Vikings first, and and uh, and staying healthy as well uh, is another big factor for the Seahawks going forward. And I know you'll be staying healthy, and of course that's our daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. What do you have on the agenda this weekend? Uh, it's it's you know you got the, the the NBA Finals, you've got um, baseball playoffs continuing, and and uh, we haven't talked much college football yet. We'll have to get that going next week as as the Huskies get ready to. Uh, to get started here in a couple of weeks, but uh, college football too. So uh, a lot of social distancing, walking outside in the rain, and and uh, hoping for better times for everyone. Let's hope for that. And, of course, uh, thank you. We'll be talking to you on Monday. John, you have a great weekend yourself, partner. All right, sounds good. And, of course, uh, I'll be back tomorrow uh, from 8 until 9 taking your phone calls. Uh, and, of course, back on Monday at 10. Curtis Rogers, welcome back. I know uh, had with the, with the injury that you have in the leg, you're still in the boot and all that stuff. You're kind of gutting it up, but uh, gutting it up in the right way. And thank you for everything this week. Hey, thank you, John. Good to be back with you. Excited for uh, the rest of the season here. Yep, that should be good. And, of course, uh, this is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle.